Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk, session one of Pick a Fight. Acts 4, verses 12 through 14. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by whom we must be saved. When they saw how bold Kepha and Yochanan were, even though they were untrained Haaretz, they were amazed. Also, they recognized them as having been with Yeshua. Verse 14, moreover, since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there beside them, there was nothing they could say to discredit the healing. Peter and John lived in a time of great transition and uncertainty, chaos, and anarchy, just like our times today. I know the stress you're all feeling with COVID, lockdowns, quarantines, rioting, Antifa, elections. Yet in the midst of this, we must be bold, like Peter, like John, like Shaul, like Yeshua. There's a new norm upon us, but it's not masks, quarantine, or socialism. It's Yeshua's soon return and the establishment of the kingdom of God here upon this earth. Don't grow weary. We must be about our Father's business in this hour. We are entering into our greatest hour as the Messianic movement. Ezekiel 36 tells us Israel would be gathered from the nations, restored to the land, then revival, then a new heart, then a new spirit put within us. It's been 72 years since Israel was birthed in a nation, and one day, May 14, 1948, we must be united and get ready, prepared, and take our stand. I had a wonderful opportunity years ago to spend an entire afternoon with Coach Mack, Coach McCartney, mano a mano. I was a sponge as he talked about coaching a national championship, about promise keepers, and then the transition to Road to Jerusalem. He shared all the challenges, the hurdles he had to overcome, his daily routine spent with the Lord, and this is a critical aspect of this, his family, the victories. He paused and all this has stared me straight in the eye. One of those moments that the intensity made me a little uncomfortable, but I knew something profound was about to happen. He asked me, Rabbi, do you know how to make a difference in your community, your city, your congregation? I got to admit, I just sat there and shook my head. No. Coach Mack said, pick a fight. He said, be bold, stand for truth, honor, and righteousness, and pick a fight. Stand against evil, wickedness, and untruth. Not a barroom brawl, not a fisticuff, but taking a righteous stand against evil and wickedness. I've never forgotten his sage advice. And since that time, we've picked quite a few fights here as a congregation. It's time for us, for the Messianic movement, for Messianic believers, to pick a fight, to take a stand. People around us, believers, non-believers, they're desperately searching for truth. And leaders who are aware of the times and know what to do about them, as I've re referenced often from 1 Chronicles 12, 32, they were leaders and warriors, those men of Ishakar. There are a few points to unpack before you uh, in your congregation to make a stand and to pick a fight. First, you must be intimate with Adonai and Shema. You've got to hear his voice and obey, or you'll fail in what you're trying or attempting to do. We are commanded to listen, to hear. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 says, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, Israel, Adonai our God. Adonai is one. Coach Mack shared with me, he gets up every morning at 4 a.m. He, he's disciplined in this. This is his daily routine, seven days a week, and spends two hours before the Lord in prayer. Coach said, I want to hear fresh manna from heaven every day. Not yesterday's old manna, which is rotted. You can't get tomorrow's manna, but he wants the word from the Lord today, every day. We must shma, we must pause to hear, to listen. The shma is derived from the Hebrew root word shin mem ayin. Shema is a noun that's most often translated as hear or hearing. 
On a side note, the word for rumor is shmuah. The plural rumors is shmuahs. And if that word for rumor, shmuah, sounds vaguely familiar, it should. For rumor, shmuahs is the basis of that wildly popular Yiddish-American word shmooze. We associate the term Shema with our declaration of trust and faith in Yeshua. We say it every Shabbat and should declare it every morning of every day of our life. Shema means to hear, to listen, to obey. And Shema is more than a prayer. It's a profound Hebrew word that occurs 92 times in the book of Deuteronomy alone. Shema is a verb that has several meanings. Let's start. The first one is to hear. Genesis 14, 14, when Avram heard Shema, that his nephew had been taken captive, he let out his trained men who had been born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Abraham heard that his relative Lot had been taken captive. Next is to listen, to pay attention, to heed. In Genesis 3.17, to Adam, he said, Because you listened, Shema, to what your wife said and ate from the tree, about which I gave you the order, you're not to eat from it. The ground is cursed on your account. You will work hard to eat from it as long as you live. Many, many people hear, but they don't listen. Listening is a character trait that must be developed in our daily life, particularly regarding the voice and word of Adonai. We've got to not only hear his voice, but we have to listen. God doesn't just hear, he listens. Genesis 30, verse 6, Rachel said, God has judged in my favor. Indeed, he has heard Shmami and given me a son. Therefore, she called him Dan. He judged. Next, number three, Shema is to understand. In Genesis 11, verse 7, it says, Come, let's go down and confuse their language so that they won't understand lo Shema, each other's speech. So Shema is to understand. The inverse of this is found in Exodus 24, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it out loud so that the people could shma and understand and respond. Everything that Adonai has spoken, we will do and obey. Na'aseh venishma. Na'aseh venishma is first. We will do, then understand. So this is critical. Number four, we have to be willing to obey by deed, by action when we listen, when we shma. This is found in the angel's words to Avraham after the binding of Isaac. Genesis 22, verse 18, And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed. Shmata, my order. Number five, to respond indeed by action, to do what someone else wants. Genesis 21, verse 12, But God said to Avraham, Don't be distressed because of the boy and your slave girl. Listen to everything. Shma bechola, do whatever Sarah says to you, because it is your descendants through Yishach who will be counted. In this last sense, it comes closest in meaning to obey. So if we've seen there's a profound understanding to shema, to hearing, to listening, to understanding, obeying, and do an action and deed. We must hear from the Lord. You've got to hear from the Lord every day or you're going to find yourself in peril, in trouble. Next, to pick a fight and make a stand, you must be bold, very bold. Joshua 1, verses 2 through 3, Moshe, my servant, is dead. So now, now get this, this is a time of transition, just like we talked about in the beginning. Joshua 1, verses 2 and 3, Moshe, my servant, is dead. So now get up and cross over this Yarden, you and all the people, to the land I'm giving to them and the people of Israel. I'm giving you every place you will step on with the sole of your foot, as I said to Moshe. The beginning of Joshua marks a transition for Israel, both in leadership and in the fulfillment of God's promise to them regarding the promised land. Listen, change always brings anxiety, trepidation, and sometimes even fear. 
Joshua was well-known among the nation, but he was number two under Moshe for 40 years. There were many divine promises for them as a nation, but for 430 years, they had largely remained unfulfilled. They were now preparing to cross the Jordan into the promised land, new territory. They had not seen or experienced except Yehoshua and Caleb 40 years previously, Jew and Gentile, one new man. True to his calling, Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of the 12 spies selected who held true to God's covenant promise that he'd already given Israel concerning the land, while the other 10 gave an extremely negative report. Those 10 were unaware of the time and season they were in, and they perished. They never made it to the promised land. Both Caleb and Joshua found favor with the Lord for their trust and loyalty they believed. They loyally represented the Lord in this situation. Because they were aware of Adonai's promises, they moved in bold authority. Because of their trust and loyalty, because of their awareness of the times, they lived in. These two men of God were allowed to enter the promised land and receive their inheritance. We are living in a profound time of transition that requires clear, concise, and continual awareness of our times, like Joshua and Caleb, as well as the strategies employed to get us where God is going. We must operate in unity and love with each individual understanding God's purpose, goals, strategies, and challenges we'll face to endure the crossover. The world's getting extremely dark, very dark. Wickedness and sin abound, while it appears there are very few standing in the gap as the greater body of Messiah continues to conform to the world vice the kingdom of heaven. Here are some sobering, even depressing statistics regarding the general overall body of the Messiah. Of the over 384,000 churches in America, 72% when polled answered with great transparency that they are unbiblical that they don't retain a biblical worldview and don't speak the word of God into immorality, sexual sin, homosexuality, government, and unrighteousness. Of the 28% that do have a biblical worldview and are biblical, 90% of the leaders won't speak the word of God into the cultural, governmental, and social issues we endure. That means the real number of congregations in America that speak and walk in truth boldly is down to somewhere between 6,000 to 15,000 congregations out of 384,000. It's very few that are actually biblically walking out the Lord's work according to his word and changing their world around them. We must understand the times we live in. 90% of believers are seeking absolute truth in what congregations and congregational leaders to be bold, to speak with authority the truth of God's word boldly to their congregates, into their congregation, into greater society, and even our government. Psalms 11 verse 3 says, If our foundations are destroyed, what should the righteous do? The evidence is overwhelming that the foundations of America as a nation were founded upon the principles of God and his holy word. Not so today as children of God, we are marginalized in our nation. Even a time of persecution when we are God's agents of heavenly influence and change in this world will not be silenced. America's founding father cited scripture over 1,500 times to show the proper moral and ethical operation of civil government in the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution or other founding documents. Today, those principles and foundations are being destroyed that wickedness and sin may abound. Darkness hates the light. It doesn't want us sidelined. It wants us destroyed. The U.S. State Department has been overrun by lifelong appointed bureaucrats who are from the Muslim Brotherhood and LBGT community. The good news is that there are remnants of God's people on the inside of all governments who are praying and interceding, but the numbers are few. 
Most mainstream news is, in fact, fake news. They're no longer reporting facts or making us aware. They're doing op-eds. They're attempting to manipulate us from the same purpose to remove the light. Those who would argue against believers being involved in society and governmental, even world affairs, those who refuse to vote or get involved are living contrary to the word of God. We must boldly interject ourselves into our nation's narrative and shift history. Joseph is a primary example. He correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dream and gave Pharaoh unsolicited advice on how to deal with the coming famine in Genesis 41, verses 39 through 40. Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph's boldness, his chutzpah, that he placed Joseph, Joseph in charge of the Egyptian nation. Joseph accepted the position, the fine clothing, the signet ring, the gold jewelry, even the wife offered him. Joseph did not refuse and decry separation of church and state. He didn't decry separation of God's kingdom and the nation of Egypt. Joseph became the ruler and chief operating officer of the world's only superpower as ordained by God. Remember God's word regarding authority on this earth in Daniel. It only comes from heaven. Another dream interpreter, Daniel, is elevated to a high position of rank and leadership within the kingdom of Babylon because he not only interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he too told the king what his dream meant in Daniel 2, verses 48 through 49. Daniel not only accepted the appointment, he had his friends appointed to positions of leadership as well. In the kingdom of Persia, Iran today, a young Jewish girl named Hadassah had become queen of the entire kingdom under the Persian name of Esther. When her uncle Mordecai discovered a plot by the evil Haman to destroy and murder all the Jewish people, Mordecai went to Esther to stand in the gap to become politically involved in governmental affairs of state. Esther boldly approached the Persian king at the risk of her life. Persian law dictates that if the queen goes to the king's court unsolicited and the king doesn't extend his scepter, she would be killed. Her boldness and willingness to become involved saved the entire nation of Israel from annihilation in Persia. Her uncle Mordecai, because he had unveiled a murder plot against the king, became the number two ruler throughout the Persian Empire. Listen, God intervenes in the affairs of man and governments. Jerusalem would not have been restored had it not been for the political involvement and influence of a Persian government worker named Nehemiah. So where am I going with all this? We as the children of God have a responsibility to boldly become involved, to get active, and make a difference both in this nation and in the world. People don't become involved because they've been taught that it's not our responsibility. But what we just read disproves that theory and notion. God expects us to be agents of influence and change. The body of Messiah must stop kowtowing. We must stop being afraid and stop being scared and start speaking truth in great boldness and authority. Psalms 2, starting at verse 1, Why are the nations in an uproar, the peoples grumbling in vain? The earth's kings are taking position, leaders conspiring together against Adonai and his anointed. They cry, let's break their fetters, let's throw off their chains. He who sits in heaven laughs. Adonai looks at them in derision. Verse 5, then in his anger, he rebukes them, terrifies them in his fury. I myself installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the decree, Adonai said to me, you are my son, today I become your father. Verse 8, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. The whole wide world will be your possession. You will break them with an iron rod, shatter them like a clay pot. Verse 10, therefore, kings, be wise, be warned, you judges of the earth. Serve Adonai with fear, rejoice, but with trembling. There must be an urgency in our day for salvations, a compelling urgency for the gospel to go forth, for Israel to be saved, for the nations are conspiring. As Messianic believers in the kingdom of God, 
It is our heavenly, our biblical destiny to rise up, to lead not just our community, but restore true biblical word, leadership, ruach, and power back to the Gentile church to release the Messianic anointing and the one new man to return to the power and truth. And why us? Romans 3, verses 1 through 2, then what advantage has the Jew? What is the value of being circumcised? Much in every way. In the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. We were given the oracles of God. It is our calling. It is our burden to carry forth the word of God with a compelling urgency to share the gospels, to share Yeshua. When Yeshua showed up, everything changed 2,000 years ago. Kingdom transition requires force. We weren't released from slavery until after the violent plagues were released against Egypt. We didn't return from exile easily. It required force. As Nehemiah reveals, we rebuilt Jerusalem with bricks in one hand and a sword in the other. And so we must also do the same today as Yeshua commanded us in Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Yeshua went about all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and weakness. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his Talmudim, the harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers to gather his harvest. Send out in the Greek is ekbalo, to drive, to force, to impulse, to hurl forth, to eject, to force overcoming opposite forces, a forceful, violent movement. It's time right now for bold, radical leaders to rise up in the greater body of Messiah to pick a fight, to forcefully, passionately, impulse, interject ourselves into our prophetic destiny, to shift history, to pray fast and intercede for the largest apostolic move that God has ever recorded, for the salvation of Israel, the land and the people. It's the John 17 moment that the world will know. Yeshua's words in Matthew 9, it isn't a suggestion, it's a fiery command. We must collectively have an intense, driven, passionate desire for the presence of God. Boldness is the key to the times we're in, to walk in the fulfillment of Adonai's destiny, plan, and will for us, just as it was for Joshua to lead us into the promised land. Joshua 1, verse 6, be strong, be bold. A matz is to be strong, alert, courageous, brave, stout, bold, solid, hard, brave, assured, to be determined, to make oneself alert, persist in, to exhibit strength, to be strong, to feel strong. Be strong, be bold, for you will cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers I would give them. I'm not going to sugarcoat things here. Daunting, difficult times are here, and even worse is coming. But we must be bold and make a stand. We must pick a fight. We have the power and we have the authority. We must walk in our destiny as we realize who and what we are. When we begin to carry the word of Adonai and do so boldly, we become a force that causes evil to flee and the wicked to repent and turn back to God. A force that can pull fire down from heaven. A force that can turn nations back to Adonai. A force that makes the very gates of hell shake and tremble. 